Hi, and welcome back to the JCMS podcast. I'm Kirk Barber, the Editor-in-Chief of the Journal of Cutaneous Medicine and Surgery and a Clinical Professor of Medicine at the University of Calgary. On this episode of the podcast, we're going to speak with the author of another article that I selected for our CME credit program. And this article appeared in our November, uh, December uh, 2018 issue. Um, It's titled Deep Tissue Sequencing Using Hypodermoscopy and Augmented Intelligence to Analyze Atypical Pigmented Lesions. I chose this article because this is the future. And I thought we should all um, try and understand it better and be aware of the things that it can possibly uh, do for us. And I think the important thing is going to be here, we're going to learn the difference between augmented and artificial intelligence. The authors um, are from the University of Waterloo, and our dermatology uh, colleague, Dr. John Arlett, is spearheading this uh, research into the melanoma world. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Alexander Wong, an assistant professor in systems design at the University of Waterloo, and the Canadian Research Chair in Artificial Intelligence and Medical Imaging. With him is Dr. John Arlett, a Mohs surgeon and a professor of surgery at the University of Calgary. John is also a dermatologist and has been keenly interested in melanoma uh, for his uh, career. Welcome, John. Alex, thank you very much for taking the time to uh, to meet with us and have this conversation. I'm really excited to learn more about this deep learning uh, concept and in artificial intelligence. So, so tell me, John, how are you marrying this all to dermatology? I mean, you and I are on our dermatoscopes multiple times during the day, if not with every patient or second patient. What what gave you this sense of researching something different and and seems like better? Well, this all happened by serendipity. Uh, a mutual friend introduced Alex and uh, Iman and Farnood, our, our colleagues in this paper, and suggested that um, I go and visit their lab. And I went to the lab and and met Alex, and they started talking about all of the things that they were doing with artificial intelligence. Oh, and by the way, we have this artificial intelligence uh, instrument that can diagnose malignant melanomas. Well, as a Mohs surgeon dealing with 150 new patients with melanomas a year, I thought that was pretty, you know, great coming from a group of engineers who'd never heard about surgery, dermatology, let alone Mohs surgery. And they um, then brought out the instrument and, you know, showed it being used on everybody's moles, including my wife's mole on her back, at which point she said, you better get this off. And it was the way of analysis uh, of, of the lesions that was totally different in that they had scraped away all of our proposed, you know, what we knew, what we thought was the appropriate way to look at things and had looked at it from an entirely different perspective. What they had done is set up an algorithm having evaluated 18,000 images of atypical pigmented lesions. And so within that, they have been able to use the instrument, teach the instrument what to look for, as opposed to what you and I look for, which is, is it asymmetrical, are the borders irregular, the pigment changed, or is the diameter increasing? And with the instrument, it was looking at a much vaster array of characteristics that are within pigmented lesions than you and I would normally look at. 
Alex, um, I can understand John's concept of this. Now, um, take me that step further. What took you to melanoma with in using this instrument and not to some other space-aged uh, branch of medicine? So we do uh, other branches of medicine as well. But uh, what really fascinates me, I guess, about uh, dermatology, I think first was uh, when I actually uh, went with my grandmother before to see a dermatologist. I think I, I thought the process was very fascinating. And I know the kind of impact that could make. So I thought might as well uh, give it a shot and try to develop a instrument that uh, allows, uh, I guess, dermatologists to get more information than you could see from the surface. And I think that was one of the main motivation. And when you have this much data, it's very difficult to parse through. So that's where artificial intelligence really comes in. It's able to pick up nuances on things that you usually see, but also things below the surface and take all that information and get new insights about it and then share it back with the dermatologist. I thought that that's what really excited me about this. So the clinical usefulness you can foresee. Oh, no, most definitely. So at least uh, before I started being a professor, I actually worked at a hospital. And so I, I really had a real appreciation, appreciation for how technology can really help with uh, clinical care, especially for diagnostic screening. So I just thought, you know, it'd be a great way in my career to actually actually push that kind of technology. Well, and it seems I, I read where in nine seconds, you can do. You can go 1.5 meters underneath the skin. Yeah, that's correct. I and mean, that makes it practical, eh? Oh yes, that's exactly. And, and that and that's the key thing. So we've uh, worked with a lot of other instruments, and it takes for either forever or it costs like an arm and three legs. And so in which case, it's just not trackable for most uh, clinical sites to have. So we thought, well, can we think about a, a bit out of the box and actually build something that's handheld? that you could actually, you know, it's, it's kind of like a, a point and click camera, right? Where you click, except it actually not only gets you uh, surface level information, but information below the skin so that, you know, you as the dermatologists, as clinicians can make much better judgment based on this additional information. John, um, have you been able to make better decisions? The the article discusses the seven patients that you know you had already pre-planned, and 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 so there were you know the ethics of the whole story. And you, so you so you weren't altering therapy based on something that was unknown. When you look at it now and look back at those seven patients that you've done, and probably multiple others that you've that you've looked at, it's been a helpful tool. Well, it, it certainly advanced you know our my ability to look at melanomas because now I look at a wider array of what changes are present, what features are there that we've never actually looked at before. You know, because we can look 1.5 millimeters below the surface of the skin, which we cannot do when we're uh, doing using a dermatoscope. A dermatoscope, we're seeing just the very surface of the skin. Now we're looking at elements that are deeper. And you can see from the diffusion maps that, that were published in this article, that you know you can see where pigmentation is deeper, and, and we may be able to, with time, be able to um, associate that with depth of invasion of the melanoma. So now we can start to use information based on the specificity and sensitivity of the um, instrument in making decisions as to which lesions need to be biopsied. 
rather than you know a simple harvesting of everything that looks a little unusual by having some specific characteristics like potential risk factors uh, within the lesion that are analyzed by the artificial intelligence against this um, panel of, uh, of, of features that, that we don't normally look at. I mean, we may be looking at five, you know, the instrument is probably looking at a hundred or more and constantly learning with each new instrument, or we, with each new lesion. Now, you spend a lot of time in the article discussing the sensitivity and specificity. And can this machine uh, beat the dermatologist? I mean, have you got the Gary Kasparov uh, chest machine interface beaten now? Can well, in the article, it says, you know, the, the dermatologist's accuracy is in the neighborhood of 75%. When we're looking at the specificity with this machine, that is, is the lesion we're looking at a melanoma versus the sensitivity is, is this lesion not a melanoma, that it approaches the level that you would see with a dermatologist. And if you look at the case number six, here's two dermatologists who said, this is a melanoma hands down, and the biopsy shows that it's a seborrheic keratosis. Well, it's really one of the outliers within the risk factor, where it only had a risk factor of 75%, whereas our other melanomas uh, had risk factors more in the neighborhood of 99%. There was one that was 6.9. So it's using, you know, as we learn more, using that information to make a decision as to which lesions need to be removed so that those patients, number one, who are at risk, only have those that remove that's going to make a benefit to them, let alone um, the unnecessary removal of other lesions. So, Alex, in the future, do you think you can beat the dermatologist? Well, I mean, uh, first of all, that's, that's not the goal of what we're trying to do. And uh, one of the reasons, you'll, you'll notice that when we call our uh, instrument uh, uh, aid, uh, it's uh, augmented intelligence uh, as opposed to artificial intelligence. At least myself, as well as uh, most of my research group, our firm belief is not about you know beating people, right? That's not the goal. And I would say honestly, with a lot of the art people claiming that they could, I would be hard pressed to believe that, especially in, with all the different types of scenarios and uh, conditions that can happen. Uh, I just don't see it happening. Uh, on the other hand, what I believe is uh, augmented intelligence, which is to help clinicians make better decisions by providing them with more information, <laughs> right? And so you notice that in our in our system, right, the aid system, we don't talk about, you know, okay, it just makes decisions, it just tells the dermatologist yay or nay, right? That's, that's not the most useful kind of system. But what it does is produces additional information. It turns data into knowledge. And this knowledge can then be conveyed back to a physician to actually make a proper decision, a proper diagnosis. So one example is what uh, John was talking about just now, was like the diffusion maps that the uh, AI system is able to produce. Right. This gives new insights uh, into you know disease to make better decisions on overall diagnostics. And so, again, right, it's about how do we actually visualize information that AI learns and show a clinician what are the key areas that is worth looking into to help improve and augment their decision. So you took um, these 18,000 images and you have a very um, high sensitivity and specificity. If you do another 180,000 images, can you, can you get those numbers higher? Yeah, we believe it, it could go higher. 
But what we've also found with a lot of our other studies in other areas is we could use that to boost the, uh, I guess, the ability of the AI system. But we also found that when you combine a clinical decision with a clinician plus AI, the sensitivity as well as specificity actually increases even further. So, well, I, I know that in in you know when we were doing photographic follow up, you know, we had that augmented intelligence that was our you know, our picture to try and to try and help us. It was always the dermatologist was always erring on the side of, well, it's just so easy to take it out. Why would I go through all this all this nuance to to try and make a clinical decision? John's explained that pretty well. I mean, there are areas of the body that we we would rather not operate on and 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 I'm sure there are other reasons not to take things off. But I but at the end of the day, um I the closer you get to the hundred, the happier I'm going to be uh, in both the sensitivity and specificity. John, well, I'm, I'm going back to Alex's points, and you know what the instrument does is becomes an extra tool in making that decision. And so, rather than um, physicians or medical professionals trying to weigh their experience. Uh, which is limited. So when you look at, you know, even with your experience or my experience, we haven't seen 18,000 melanomas, but the machine has. And it can then use parameters that you and I are only starting to understand in making the decision as to, uh, aiding the clinician to make the decision as to which lesions would be appropriate to be removed on this patient at this time. And so it is an aid uh, to uh, diagnosis and early management, because as you and I know, it is that early recognition and treatment that make a difference to melanomas. We don't want that false sense of security of, well, I've made a decision and I'm, I'm just going to measure this lesion and reassess it. If we have something that we can then use as a monitor that allows us to, um, it's a benchmark you know, when you look at how other surgeons make decisions, you know, they will use information from, say, a CT scan or an MR, which as dermatologists we don't have. Now we have an extra bit of information and in being able to make that decision, whereas we use a dermatoscope on our limited parameter of evaluation and on two dimensions, now we have another instrument that look in three dimensions and adds a whole different array and a broader array of decision-making points. Well, John, you and I had a brief foray into thinking we might do confocal microscopy until we actually learned how much of an education and you had to go through to, to, to be able to be at least proficient and not make mistakes. I mean, this sounds like a, and I think you make a mention of it, kind of a I don't want to belittle it, but sort of a black box solution. It helps in a very rapid way to give an answer so I don't have to learn what the machine's doing and, and, and interpret it. It sounds like I will get a very nice picture. I'll have to learn how to interpret these pictures, mind you. But it doesn't look like it's requiring all that uh, learning and specialization and special equipment. Uh, I would actually uh, uh, say a little something a little different with the underlying goal of the instrument. Beyond just, you know, uh, I guess, helping with uh, improving diagnosis, one of our ma my main goals, especially in my research, is can I help clinicians identify and learn insights that they have not seen before? so that they could actually make better judgments. So one uh, example I'd like to give uh, related to uh, AI is, uh, I'm not sure, have you guys heard of like AlphaGo? 
it's uh, it's it's like the uh, it's like Go playing AI that uh, plays the classic you know ancient game of Go, and it was able to beat the world champions, and it really shocked the world. They thought this would happen in let's say twenty thirty years, but it happened a couple of years ago, and so. Uh, what happened was that uh, people were expecting uh, the uh, Go champions of the world to be panicking, right? Because the machine just completely decimated and beat them. However, what happened was that instead, the uh, Go champions actually examined and looked at what AlphaGo, the decisions it was making to actually win games. And it actually changed the way they actually played the game of Go. And they got better and better. And they got really, really good. So one of my goals is to take that kind of mentality is can we build an AI that works with clinicians and also gives them insights as well as new areas to look into so that at the end of the day, even without the AI, they're able to make better decisions. I think that's something that I'm trying to aim for. So the emphasis, once again, is augmented intelligence, yes. not artificial intelligence. That's exactly it. John? And, and you know, to echo that for Alex, much like with the Go players, we're looking at what else is this is this instrument looking at, which would then can help us make better decisions and assessments of lesions. So it's it's what is in the end good for patients, and the more we learn uh, from from this from this instrument and from even our dermatoscopes, the better decisions we can make on the basis on the on behalf of our patients. So tell me, when am I going to have this tool in my hand? Um, is it something that we're, is it, I've not seen it. Is, does it require lots of space, not much space? Um, can it do a patient? You know, when we go, we look around with our dermatoscope, I might light up eight to 10 lesions on an individual patient. How's this all going to work? How, what's the practicalities of it? So John acts. So John actually has uh, the instrument and I'll let him talk about in terms of uh, the size. It's much better right. to hear from him. Thanks, Alex. So the, the whole instrument is the same size. It has a keyboard, just like what you're working on. And the instrument is as um, big as a microphone. And uh, it's a, it is, like Alex said, it's a point and shoot. And we will, you know, we do this uh, right now. We're, we're in the process of doing a, um, uh, a research ethics board uh, protocol to evaluate lesions in the office because we still see one to two new melanoma patients a day, we're looking at and assessing it so that it, you know that the instrument uh, develops more information and, and learns more, much like we would like to learn as quickly as we can. So it is very simple to uh, press it up against the machine, uh, up against the lesion, I'm sorry, and then the lesion is analyzed and our capture rate now, I think, is down to three seconds, and the answer comes back in about four. So how easy is this going to be to uh, to put in the clinic and, and carry? Is it like it's going to be pocket? Is it something you could probably carry in your pocket, at least the transducer? I Well, I, I think Alex probably has a great answer for that part and how it can be. I mean, compared to what it was at the beginning, the size of the instrument, the shape, is much more ergonomic, and um, it is a matter of how can we um, get the optics and light source small enough to put in um, a smaller instrument, say the size of a pen. Alex? 
Yes, I mean, that's uh, one of our uh, main goals uh, down the line. So right now, as John mentioned, it's around the size of a microphone. And we're continuously uh, going to try to reduce it. Uh, just uh, for context, uh, there are uh, other instruments out there that are, I guess, orders of magnitude larger. And uh, I think the uh, the measurement probe uh, looks like a uh, gas nozzle for filling gas in your car. So I would say this would be quite a bit of an improvement. And again, as John mentioned, compared to a lot of the other instruments, it's, it's really fast, right? That's one of the key goals. It captures great imaging data very fast, and it captures information well below the skin. So again, you have a much more information, volumetric information to actually draw from. John, um, so I can see this value in confusion, confusing lesions, things we're not certain of. I can see it useful in early lesions. Not that you want to follow a melanoma, but early lesions are trying to find them better. Um, ruling out seborrheic if you will, the, the, and other skin lesions that we're uncertain of. Is that, I mean, a melanoma is a melanoma. Oftentimes you don't need a tool to help you diagnosis, but what you're suggesting and I'm hearing and reading is maybe it'll help you plan the surgery. Would it be useful there too? We're not at that point. Uh, and, and that's actually not what it's useful in terms of mapping out the edges. I would say that um, it will be helpful in those lesions where a medical professional is uncertain as to what they're looking at. Uh, in terms of aiding dermatologists, particularly we've done a lot of our analysis on facial lesions. And the challenge with facial lesions is that um, people are reluctant to biopsy them. And so now we have an instrument which assists us in making that um, making the decision as to whether or not this would be a benefit of the to the patient. So those lesions which, you know, for all of us, sometimes things look obvious. So an obvious melanoma is obvious, but the vast majority of melanomas that we see are less than obvious. So it, it's a matter of, of how we as, as clinicians use the information, but also how patients or, or medical professionals who don't have the same degree of skill as dermatologists or I think one of the things I was impressed with with Alex and his colleagues and the first day I met them is they were talking about being able to serve people in underserviced areas, places where dermatologists never go. How do you make that decision? Well, you can use an instrument with augmented intelligence um, really simply in terms of applying it to the patient and then there's a reason to proceed. So you know, engineers were far beyond us as clinicians in caring for patients. It was a, a, a really remarkable experience. Alex's group and Elucid is just, a, you know, they're on a, on a different time frame from us. You know, they've thought about many of the things that we would like to have in place and they're putting them in place. Well, it sounds like we'll be able to meld that interface sooner rather than later. Alex, tell me, what's your time frame for what's the next big iteration in this? And so a couple of things that I've been also thinking about as the next key steps is, uh, as John mentioned, uh, outside of melanoma, there's lots of other skin lesions uh, to look at. But even thinking beyond that, just skin disease in general, this would be a great instrument for doing, uh, I guess, analysis for different, uh, I guess, uh, skin diseases. And even ignoring the fact 
that you're using it for, I guess, you know, using AI to help diagnosis, the instrument itself, the AI powered instrument itself allows you to actually capture information of the skin that you can actually keep uh, records of. And I think that's something I've been trying to, I guess, promote to a lot of uh, clinicians. I mean, for example, with radiology, they take for granted that they have on record, you know, past, let's say, x-rays or MRI, ultrasound, CT scans that they could actually retrieve back from a patient and look at again, you know, compare it with uh, across time. And so right now, I right now, at least on the market, there really aren't really great instruments for you to keep track of, let's say, evolution of skin diseases, evolution of uh, skin lesions, uh, over time. And I think there's a lot of value uh, in analyzing disease over time to give you much better insight as to what's going on. So I hope that's one of the key next steps with what this uh, type of instrument really can enable. From from you know from one of the things, so we're going to look at melanomas because it's a defined area. We'll look at that within a research project. Ultimately, you could look at any other kind of individual lesions, uh, specifically basal cell carcinomas uh, or perhaps squamous cell carcinomas. But that's a much broader uh, topic. Um, but I think that you know Alex has ideas of how we can then approach other skin lesions. Well, thank you, uh, John, Alex, for joining me and helping me to understand this, uh, this, this wonderful and exciting uh, tool and uh, for this little walk into the future. I'm hopeful that I can have this tool in the clinic sometime after Christmas. Um, so, you know, Christmas present, wrap it up for me, send it along. Um, I'd love to give it a go. So thanks again for, for joining me. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Dr. John Arlette is a professor of surgery and a dermatologist at the University of Calgary. And Dr. Alexander Wong is an associate professor in the Department of Systems Design and Engineering at the University of Waterloo. Dr. Wong is also the Canadian Research Chair in Artificial Intelligence and Medical Imaging. To my mind, as a clinician, their article entitled Deep Tissue Sequencing Using Hypodermoscopy and Augmented Intelligence to Analyze Atypical Pigmented Lesions is a true look into our future. I learned in this session about augmented intelligence and how their main goal is to help me be a better clinician. This whole article stresses that this is not to create a tool that gives me a binary answer of yes or no, but it's a tool that will soon be in our clinics and help us to make better decisions, to augment our clinical decision-making. So I hope you enjoyed it and that you'll be able to look back and, and, and review the article because I really do truly believe this is the future. So thanks so much for listening. And until next time, be good to each other.